All right. Good evening, church. Uh, we're going to start a new series. We're going to start a new series right now entitled Helpful Compassion. A series entitled Helpful Compassion. And the whole aim of this short series is to equip us in very practical ways how to love our neighbor in helpful ways. How to love our neighbor in helpful, helpful ways especially in this very unusual time that we're, we're living in. So this is kind of a how to love your neighbor well when things seem pretty awful. That's, that's the kind of the gist of, of this series. Jesus says about loving our neighbor, it's the second most important commandment, the first being to love the Lord our God with all our heart. He says it's the second most important command for us, for his people. Uh, second most important, but you know, people, in this time, in this time, in this crazy season, like our city... Our nation, our, our, our whole world needs Jesus, needs his love. And they, they, this world needs Jesus' people to be showing how much God really loves them. To be over the top when it comes to actually loving our neighbor. We cannot fall asleep in this strategic moment. We must not fall asleep. We need to fight against the lethargy that is bombarding us, that is pushing in on us. We need to push back against the, the apathy that is fighting for our lives. More than half the people who would regularly attend church are not attending church online in any form these days. More than half of the people are, are falling asleep, going on holiday, pretending that nothing's going on. They're, they're leaning out when it's time to lean in and it's easier than ever to lean in because all you've got to do is turn on your computer or, or whatever you're, you're open your phone whatever you're watching this on the natural pull in this moment is is towards giving up towards just rolling over and going back to sleep but the, the challenges are, are overwhelming I get that and and the, the 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 life right now can feel overwhelming I get that in fact, if you're watching right now, it's a big win. This is a win. You, you're, you're beating the odds right now by, by engaging and by pursuing Jesus right now and by, by, uh, by showing up. Again, we can't fall asleep in this moment. We need to push back and we need to be the church. We need to not fall asleep, but we need to be awakened, reawakened to be the people that Jesus has called us to be. This is our time. This is our time. God has appointed you to live in this moment. God has appointed you to live in these days. Sure, maybe it's not super fun at this particular moment, but God has given you a mission and a purpose and a reason for being here. He's revealed himself to you, and if not, he is right now. And, and he is revealing himself to you for this time and to, to be a beacon of hope and his love in the, in the world today. The loving people, it's, it's, it's the second most important thing when it comes to God's people. Jesus teaches that. He responds to others who, who believe the same thing. For, exam for example, in, in Luke. In Luke chapter 10, you've got this story where an expert in the law shows up. In fact, let me, let me read it. It says in Luke chapter 10, verse 25, it says, Then an expert in the law stood up to test him, to test Jesus, as you do, saying, Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? That's the question. What must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? Jesus asked him. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God. This is the, this is the expert in the law. He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. You know, love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, Jesus says to him, you've answered correctly, he told him. 
do this and you will live. You know, you love God with all your heart and you love your neighbor as yourself. Do this and you will live. Inherit eternal life. That's the question. But wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And, and who is my neighbor? And at this point, Jesus is going to go on and he's going to tell the story about the Good Samaritan. And the, the basic meaning of that story is your neighbor is anyone in your life, anyone, who, anyone whose life intersects your own life, even if it's just for a moment, even if it's just for a minute, even if it's just for, for, for 30 seconds, anybody whose life intersects with your life, that is your neighbor, and that's who you're called to love. So for instance, a few months ago, I was out for a run. I know, but don't get too excited. We're talking months ago now. Uh, I, was, I was out for a run, and it was lockdown season, very early in lockdown season when we were allowed to get our, our, do our one exercise a day and I was going to do that thing. I was going to do that. I was going to go do my exercise. And, and I thought running was a good idea back then. And so I, I, I saw this lady walking towards me. And she was on the pavement. She had a, a mask on. Again, these were early days. It, not a lot of people were, were wearing masks at that particular moment. And, and, and now I was probably about 30 feet away still. I was, I was a long ways away. Probably 30 feet. So maybe I was maybe about a minute when it came to running. No, I don't know. She, she, about 30 feet away. But I could see her, her the anger and the terror in her eyes. And she was wildly waving me to, to, to move over, to move over. I mean, I'm 30 feet away. I mean, this is, it's, it's, it was just so, it was, I was feeling like this is a pretty extreme moment, but she's just angry, terrified, and, and doing this. And, and, and I'm like, okay, that unreasonable walker, I'm going to call, that's, that's, that's her name, <laughs> the unreasonable walker, uh, she was in that moment my neighbor. It was for a brief moment, well, kind of longer moment at my running speed, but still, like for, for a short period of time, that lady was my neighbor. And the call, and the call of Jesus is for me and for all of us to be loving our neighbors, for loving these people as well, even the unreasonable move over walking lady. This series is entitled Helpful Compassion. Helpful compassion, or, or how to love your neighbor well in these days. And I would argue that it's harder than normal to love your neighbor well right now. It's harder than normal, but it's, it's, it's as needed as it's ever been, and arguably more needed right now than it's, than it's been for a long time. Why is it hard? Why is it, why is it so needed right now? Because, because the world has been shaken. It's, it's been shaken. People have been shaken by five huge things. And if you're shaken by one of these huge things, if the world is shaken by one of them, then everybody starts freaking out. But right now, it's not just one, but it's five massive global shakings, things that maybe you've experienced some of these in your own life very personally, or your neighbors have experienced some of these things most definitely. People who, you're, who live around you, who you're interacting with from a proper two meter distance or whatever, but the people who are, who are intersecting your life, they've definitely been impacted by some of these five, if not all of these five. Well, these things that are shaking the world today, the first one is health. People's health situation, it, it, is, it is such a crazy moment when it comes to health that the world has basically shut down. There's this global pandemic, you know there's a global pandemic going on, and people are rightly concerned about their health, they're rightly concerned about their family's health, they're greatly concerned about, you know, grandparents, and, and it just, there's a massive health shaking going on, again, so much so that the world is shut down. 
That's a huge one. If it was just that, that would be a massive shaking. But there's, there's more. There's also a wealth shaking, a massive wealth shaking. People are losing their jobs. People have, uh, their incomes have gone down. The less pay, uh, maybe it's going to even get worse. People are worried that maybe it'll be worse before it gets better. Maybe they're thinking that the, their, their job situation or if they're running businesses, how is their business going to be able to run in this, in this next era? People's wealth situations are being greatly shaken. If it was just a financial shaking, that would be enough. That would be enough to unnerve a generation. And yet, that's not, it's not just a wealth shaking. People's identities, number three, people's identities are being shaken. People who haven't put their identity in Jesus of Nazareth, people who haven't put their, their focus on, on, on Jesus and, and, and find their identity in him, their lives are being shaken maybe because they put too much of their identity in their job or their occupation or their lifestyle or their finances or, or the stock market or whatever. Uh, and and they're, they're being shaken. They're being shaken because where they had put their identity is, is crumbling. People's social structures are, are, are shaken. They're social, they're greatly shaken. The inability to connect with family members, certain family members in other households over this long several months, it's, it's been shaking for, for, for older people to not be able to connect to their, their younger families and, and, and just, just feeling the disconnection from that. Hugely shaken. Not being able to give people hugs. It's okay for me, but for some people that's a, that's a tragedy. And, and, and then you've got like this great shaking. I can't, I can't give handshakes or high fives. Like the most I can do is a two meter, hey, how's it going? And, and, and that's that's kind of where we're at. Relationships have been, been greatly shaken. How we interact with each other. We can't go out to restaurants together. We can't, we can't, yeah, it's, there's so many limits. We can't go to a show. We can't go bowling, you know. It's just one of those moments, right? Relationships, social, there's a social shaking going on. And that's four. The fifth one is, is, is a little bit newer one. It's this great justice shaking. There's a massive uh, justice shakeup going on in the world. And our world is rightly outraged. It's rightly outraged. And it's been catalyzed by, by the, the evil injustice of the murder of George Floyd. And, and, and that just being the thing that, that, that sprung to the attention of the world. A long-lasting, multi-generational uh, evil reality. And it has sparked a global outcry for justice. People are angry and the world is shaken. Again, if only one of those five things was happening in the world today, it would be a major moment. But, but right now, all five of those things are going on at the same time. Health, wealth, identity, social relationships, justice, all at the same time. And, and, and people are angry. And, and people are, are afraid or terrified. And people are, are, are completely stressed out. People are, people are feeling unsafe. They're feeling frustrated, and they're, they're, they're feeling like the world has gone mad, and, and as a result, I bet so many people in your lives are just exhausted all the time. And they might be like, I'm not even doing hardly anything, and yet I'm exhausted. The, the trauma, the, the, the upheaval, the shaking in the world is just leaving people stunned and out of energy, exhausted. They don't even know why. Some are so completely overwhelmed, they're basically incapacitated. People are not at their best right now. Maybe, maybe, you, maybe you are not at your best right now. People are, are, some of them are just at their worst, the worst they've ever been. They're so overwhelmed. And maybe, maybe you're in a place right at where you're just so overwhelmed. In fact, you know, maybe, maybe if that's you, if you're, if you're in a place where you're just feeling shaken, 
overwhelmed. Uh, let me pray. For, I'm just going to stop right now. Let me just pray, pray for you. Spirit of the living God. Spirit of the living God, draw close. Draw close to the people who are listening right now. Those who are feeling really shaken by, by these big things. Uh, finances, social relationships, structures. Um, God, just justice. Um, God, just all these things. Uh, health. God, I pray for your, 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 uh, your closeness right now as people reform their identities even in you at this time. God, I pray that you'd be close to the brokenhearted. I pray, pray that you'd be close to those who are, who are feeling crushed in their spirit. I pray that you would strengthen them with power in their inmost being by your presence. And so somehow, miraculously, they find themselves overflowing with your presence and your power and, your, and, and this alertedness, this awakenedness. God, I've experienced that supernatural kind of awakening and reviving of a heart myself um, at a time of prayer. And just like I have received, God, I, I ask for, for those who are listening who need it now. God, for an, a, a supernatural, limitless, overflowing of, of life and, and help in your presence. God, we need you. Fill us up. Fill us up that we can be your people powerfully in this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, it's a challenging moment. It's a challenging time that we're living in, and, and, and yet it's time. Jesus is tapping his church on the shoulder. If you've given your life to Jesus, Je Jesus is tapping you on the shoulder. He's like, this is your moment. This, this is a moment that, that, that I've placed you, I've sp specifically placed you in your life, maybe even in the crises that you're feeling right now. I've placed you in this moment for this moment to show people in helpful ways God's love for them, to love your neighbor, I, even in this, this crazy moment. Now again, I keep saying the word helpful and in helpful ways, basically because the word helpful is so key for this series, the whole series that we're going to be starting today. I could say, you know, go out and love people well, and, and you know, some, some of us would, would go out there and, and have some good-hearted attempts at, at loving the people in our lives well, uh, but some of our good-hearted attempts may not actually be that helpful. Uh, and, and so what I'm really wanting to do in this, in this next series is to spend the next few weeks talking about stuff that maybe your neighbor might be battling with. Things that maybe have shaken, maybe grief. Maybe he's lost some people or she's lost some people in, in her family or, or close to them. Uh, anxiety, uh, financial strain, loneliness and isolation. T talking about these kinds of topics uh, which are very common in our world right now, especially in this moment of shaking. And, and I want to talk about how we as Jesus' people can helpfully, keyword helpfully, helpfully love them in this moment. And, 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 and be, be God's people showing God's love to them in this moment. Maybe some of these things you're going to find yourself struggling with as well. And, and I hope that, that those topics will specifically be uh, helpful for you. Anyways, next week we're going to start on the topics. But before we dive in, I want to lay the foundation for this series by, by issuing a strong call. Right now, I want to just issue a very strong call. Because if, if we are going to be able to love our neighbor, if we're going to be able to love our neighbor well with this helpful compassion in these crazy days, then we are going to need to do this. We are going to need to put on extraordinary graciousness. 
If we're going to love our people, if we're going to love our neighbors well in this moment, we're going to need to put on extraordinary graciousness, and we are going to need to fiercely stomp out our natural tendency to be judgy, to be judging people, to, to, to be judging people and, and their behavior and what they're doing. We have to stomp that out of our lives right now. Judging people is completely out of control in our world today, and we need to say no, we are going to have no part of that, and instead we are going to have to display and, and take up onto our shoulders, onto our lives, an extraordinary graciousness, an unreasonable graciousness, an over-the-top graciousness that is needed now more than ever from God's people. Again, judging people, judging people is out of control. As Jesus' people, we cannot get sucked into this. We cannot get sucked into this. And I understand you know, people are angry and afraid and nervous and, and fearful and, and, and they're not at their best right now. And, and there's this, but there's this global, awful global judge, judging going on. Have no part in this. Have no part in, it, in this in this season. And instead put on extraordinary graciousness. Extraordinary graciousness. Some examples of this out of control judging. Some examples might be Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter. People are being judged for saying things right now that are imperfect. They're being judged for saying, having imperfect responses. People are being judged for saying too much. People are ju being judged for saying not enough. People are, are judged for saying things with too little understanding. There, there's just judging going on everywhere. I am very excited about the potential of this moment to bring about long-needed change in this world. Long-needed change. But as Jesus' people, let's run into this era of change joyfully without a hint of judging without a hint of judging people for, for their responses. If their responses are poor, okay, their response is poor, maybe they'll get there. Maybe they're just a little bit slower on, the, uh, on, on getting what's going on here, okay? I'm not gonna judge them. I'm gonna extend extraordinary graciousness as we run after our future together. Black Lives Matter. Another, another thing that is, we gotta be careful when it comes to judging. Judging our leaders, Nicola Sturgeon. Nicholas Sturgeon or Boris Johnson or whoever the leader is of, of, of wherever you're at, our leaders need us to be extraordinarily gracious to them, more than normal. Our leaders need us to be extraordinarily gracious right now and not wildly judgy. Not wildly judgy. Some of you are like, judgy is not a word. Judginess is not a word. Stop judging me. <laughs> I, I get it. Uh, it. It's fine. I, I'm just going to push your button so you understand that, that we're just rolling with this right now. We're being extraordinarily gracious to Brian, and we're being extraordinarily gracious to, to our political leaders, such as Nicola here in, in Scotland. The decisions that they're making are very complicated. They're issues of life and death. They're issues of financial major consequences, maybe for your life personally, maybe for your family, uh, maybe, maybe for your business or your church, um, maybe for your taxes situation, maybe for the long term of our nation. They're, they're making some big decisions right now, but the thing is, God did not put you in charge right now. He could have. He could have. But God did not put you in charge in this moment. Now, I'm sure you have opinions about what should be done at this moment. That you have opinions about how fast things should change, what, how slowly things should change, uh, what to do first, what to do next, how things should have been done in the past, how things should be done this week. I, I get it. 
But that's not our job. God has given that job to somebody else. You know what job he's given us? He's given us the job to pray for our leaders and to show extraordinary graciousness, to love our neighbors. Leaders are neighbors too. He's sure, he, that's been the job that he's given us. Let's not worry about what Nicola's doing or what Boris is doing. Let, let's start worrying about, okay, are, am I doing what we're supposed to be doing right now? Am I praying for my leaders? Am I loving them? Am I being very gracious and, and saying no to, to being judgy? Okay, how about, how about another example? How about that person in your neighborhood uh, that's breaking the rules? You, you know, that guy, that super annoying person, and, and, and it just pushes your buttons because you are struggling in this season of, of restraint, and yet they are, they're breaking the rules, and, you, and you're, you're so frustrated and angry. Well, I can't encourage you enough. I can't encourage you, you enough. You have no choice. Sorry, you have no chance. You have no chance to show them the love of Jesus very well if, if you're going to be judging them. For, for their mistakes right now. You have no chance to show them the love of Jesus if you're judging them, if you're condemning them in your heart. It's time for extraordinary graciousness. How about some other situations? How about your flatmates? How about the people in your home? How about your spouse? How about your children? How about your parents? Uh, the, the, people are not at their best right now. Kids, children, are not at their best right now. Maybe they don't even know why, but it's just an unsettling moment in the globe. Your spouse is not at your best. And you're like, yeah, that's right. Well, neither are you. You're not at your best either. Uh, let's, let's not be judged. Not, yeah, no judgy. People in your family. Um, I also, I, I told you a few moments ago about the time I was running down the street with, with, with that lady. I was running down the pavement and, and that lady was angrily waving me over. Um, and, and my first thoughts in that moment was <clears throat> to be ungracious. And my, my first thought, my first thought was, go home. <laughs> Just go home. You're, you're, you shouldn't be out here. You're, you're so terrified. Take your terror and, and your just anger and, and go back to your home and, and lock yourself in. I, I mean, I, no, okay, I didn't say that while I was running. I, I can't talk. I was probably running. Uh, but, but I'm pretty sure my facial expression also gave away a little bit of what I was thinking. Uh, I'm sure I, I, try and, I try and watch what my face is saying, but but I'm not very good at that. And I'm sure that my face had some unimpressed, it exuded an unimpressedness to that person in those few seconds. Again, that, she was my neighbor in that moment. And I definitely did not love her well. I was super judgy in my heart. Probably showed on my face. And I wasn't gracious to that woman who was clearly afraid. And, and maybe for good reason. I have no idea. I have no idea. Jesus says in John chapter 12, verse 47, uh, some pretty powerful words. And he says in John 12, 47, he says, If anyone, this is Jesus speaking, hears my words. Okay, Jesus' words, right? If, if anyone hears my words and doesn't keep them, I do not judge him. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. Now, now look at this. Jesus knows that he's right. Jesus knows that he's right. He knows that there's awful consequences for people rejecting his words. He knows that there's awful consequences, uh, but, but he's right. But he's right, and it's important 
that, that he, to understand that he has every reasonable uh, right reason to be able to judge people for, for rejecting his words because he's right and they're wrong. But the thing is, he doesn't do that. And why does he not do that? Because he knows his mission. He knows his mission. He knows his purpose. And, and his mission is way more important than judging people, even judging them rightly, even judging them accurately. And what is his mission? His mission, it said there, is to save the world. That's why he's not judging these people for, for not listening to him. He, because he knows his mission is to save them, not to condemn them. Not, not to condemn them. Our mission as the people of Jesus, uh, these people, to be people who are showing God's love, to be showing God's love to the people in our lives, that mission is far more important, vastly more important than judging people, even if you're right, and they're way, way wrong. Even if you're right, it's so important that we're not judging people because of our mission, which is to love our neighbor, to love our neighbor. Even if our leaders make wrong decisions, even if our neighbors aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing, our mission is to show the compassion and love of God. And so that means we need to put on extraordinary graciousness and stomp out every hint of judging in our hearts. There's so much the Bible says about, about not judging people, like Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount in, in Matthew chapter 7, uh, he says, do not judge so that you won't be judged. And he talks about that for a few verses. In Luke chapter 7, uh, Jesus is over at a Pharisee's house, a Pharisee named Simon, Simon's house, and Simon is judging Jesus because there's a woman at his feet who's crying and, and she's a sinful woman and, 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 and Simon's judging Jesus because it's sinful. And, and, and Simon's kind of right. Like, he is right. Like, it's a sinful woman. Okay, yeah, that's, he's judging in that way rightly, but he's completely missing the mission of God which is to extend forgiveness to this woman. When we are judging people, we are missing the mission of God. When you're judging people, you are missing God's purpose for your life right now, which is to be extending His grace and His love. Now, I don't feel like I need to really make a, a biblical case that, that we shouldn't be judging people right now and instead that we should be gracious. Uh, you, you know that it's very biblical and I bet, I bet though your experience these days, whether you're at your best or not at your best, you, you know how difficult it is to not slip into those tendencies to be really judgy, to be really judgy. I think you're seeing how challenging it is right now to be gracious, especially in these days. So I want to talk about how we're going to do this, how we do this. How do we go against this out-of-control judging culture and live the way Jesus has called us to live with extraordinary graciousness? How do we do this? For that, I'm going to continue the story, which I, I started reading previously, the story of the Good Samaritan. We read the setup moment. How do I inherit an eternal life? Love God. Love your neighbor. Okay, so who is my neighbor? Well, Jesus is going to answer that question. Who, who is my neighbor? It says this in, in Luke chapter 10, verse 30. Jesus took up the question and said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him, beat him up, and fled, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the road. That road, when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. In the same way, a Levite, when he arrived at the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, on his journey, came up to him, and when he saw the man, he had compassion. When he saw the man, 
he had compassion. He went over to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on olive oil and wine. Then he put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. So he, the Samaritan, took care of this guy. The next day, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said, take care of him. When I come back, I'll reimburse you for whatever extra you spend. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers, the one who showed mercy to him, he said. Then Jesus told him, go and do the same. Now there's so much that I could say from this story, connected to this story. But a couple things I want you to remember. First of all, uh, Jewish people, they despise Samaritans. But also, and maybe more importantly to this story right now, is Samaritans hate Jewish people. There, there is a, a deep animosity from Samaritans towards Jewish people. So in this story, you have a Samaritan who hates Jewish people having compassion. That's the word there. Having helpful compassion on this person that he doesn't naturally like. And what we see in this story is that this Samaritan's helpful compassion awakens a helpful graciousness. His compassion awakens graciousness. Let me just go through this very quickly with some notes that are going to be, going to be on, on the screen here. And we're going to talk about what helpful com- graciousness looks like and how to go about uh, living with helpful graciousness. First of all, he sees. Helpful graciousness starts with seeing, right? Helpful graciousness starts with, in fact, why not in the, t- in the chat right there, in the chat on the side, just type the word seeing. Just type the word seeing. Helpful graciousness starts with seeing. Just go ahead and type that. Whoever you are, just go type that in in the chat there. Do Do you see what's going on with your neighbor right now? Do you see what's going on in their life? Uh, the, the people around you, the people who live near you, the people who I- intersect with your life, do you see what's happening in their lives? Do you see, are, are they healthy? Are the people in their lives healthy? Is their family members healthy? Do, do you know, do you, do, you, do you see if they've lost income? Have, have they lost income? Are they grieving? Have people in their family died or close friends p- passed away during this time? Do you see their fears and the worries and anxieties as they look towards the future? Uh, step one of being helpfully gracious is seeing, seeing, being alert. Do you see? By the way, if you're caving in your flat all day, overwhelmed and, and kind of hiding, you're not going to be able to see your neighbor. You're not going to see it. It's time to stop caving and start caring and getting out there and, and start uh, showing God's love. Anyway, secondly, uh, you know, rightly distanced. Uh, secondly, uh, he had compassion. There's a love your neighbor word here. Uh, Remember the context of the story is loving your neighbor. Helpful graciousness is motivated by love. It said he has compassion. Helpful graciousness is motivated by love. In fact, why don't you go ahead and type that in in the chat right there. Type the words motivated by love. Motivated by love. Just go ahead and type that in the chat. If you want to be like Jesus in in our generation, if you want to do what he's going to be doing, what he would be doing if he was here instead of you, then you need to see what's going on and then take up Jesus' heart. One of the best prayers that you could be praying this week is, God, open my eyes so that I can see what's going on and, and give me your love for the people in my life. God, give me your love for the people in my life. He's motivated by love. Motivated by love. And what does the Samaritan do? He stops to help. 
Helpful graciousness stops to help. Go ahead and type stops in the, in the chat. It stops to help. Write right the word stops in the chat. He, in his case, there's a physical wound there, and he bandages up the guy, and he, and he cleans him up. Now, now, that's more than what anybody else was doing, but, but he doesn't just do that. He also puts him on his animal and brought him to an inn, and he, he took care of him that night. He took care of him himself uh, that, that particular night. What does it mean for us to stop? Stop might mean stop and listen. Like you're walking near someone and, and, or, and maybe they're, they're sitting on a bench and you're, you're, you know them maybe and you stop uh, appropriate distance away and you stop to listen. And maybe it means stop, you ask them like, how are you doing? Uh, wh- wh- how, how is this going? Uh, maybe it means stopping to write someone a note or, or a card at this moment. A lot of this series is going to be about how to help people, and, and I want to just point out that, that this guy doesn't just help the guy himself, but he also pays the innkeeper to take care of him when, when his capacity of caring for this guy runs out. He pays the innkeeper, and so helpful graciousness is generous in helping. Um, if, you're, if you're typing in the text there, generous, G-E-N-E-R-O-U-S. I'm not very good at spelling, so I have great compassion on, on all those spelling challenge people out there. Helpful, gracious, this is generous in helping. You can type that into the chat. And now, I've said this from time to time over the years in different contexts and stuff, but, but, but people, expect your faith to cost you. Expect your faith to, to cost you. Loving people, it, it costs time. It costs energy. It, it costs emotional energy. It costs money, usually. It, it, it costs. It costs. And as God answers your prayer that he would fill you with your heart and your love and your compassion for people in your life, expect it to, to cost you. And don't be afraid of that. As God uses you to care for them, to be generous to them, God will put it on other people's hearts to be generous to you and provide for you as well. We see, we see here, though, that, that he's, uh, he's moved to generosity because he loves this person, because he has this compassion for this person. Nextly, we also see here that helpful graciousness connects people to the help that they need. Go ahead and, go ahead and type connects people. Type connects people into, into the chat. Um, it's really important for us to know our limits when it comes to h- how much we can help somebody. We, we would love to be the hero every time and be able to take people from hurting to completely, um, to completely thriving. But, but we got to know our limits. we got to know our limits. Sometimes good-hearted people can make things worse if they don't realize that maybe the best thing they can do is, is help that person get to someone who can really help them in, in, that, in the area that they need help in. That's often the best way we can help. And I'm going to keep driving that home throughout this series. Oftentimes the best help we can give people is connecting them to the right people. So yeah, he takes care of them at first. The Samaritan takes care of that guy, but then he can't, he can't stay, he can't be there for as long as it's going to take for this guy to get better. And so he, he has the innkeeper then take care of him, the guy who's going to be around for a while. <clears throat> Anyways, that's the story of the Good Samaritan, which drives home that, that love Love and compassion, it motivates a, 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 a graciousness, a helpful graciousness. Now, all, all through Jesus' ministry, we read things like, Jesus moved with compassion, he did this. Moved with compassion, or, or having compassion, he did this. Or Jesus had compassion, and, and then he did this. Our city and our world needs us to grow in, in compassion, which results in graciousness 
and the rejection of being so judgy. So really practically, how can we grow in graciousness and stomp out the judgy? How can we grow in graciousness and, 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 and in stomping out judging? Well, number one, ask God for his heart for you. Ask God for his heart for you. For you. Graciousness, graciousness begins here. The stomping out of judginess begins here. It begins in our, own, in our own hearts. Some of you have been way too harsh on yourself, way too judgy of yourself, way too, way too judgy and not gracious to yourself at all. And as a result, you have, you have built a heart that's, full of, uh, that's consumed with judginess because you have filled it with self-judginess. You're like, it's not a word. Stop. It's okay. You're getting this. And so you're consumed with this thing. And what you need to do in order to be more gracious, is it doesn't start out there. It starts here. And you need to start extending the grace of God to your own heart and cultivate a gracious soul, a gracious heart, one that's not so condemned and heaped down with judging after judging after judging. You need to be gracious to yourself. Graciousness begins here. You need to apply that grace to yourself. You need to repent over being so harsh on yourself, being so judgy on yourself. And maybe you need to forgive yourself for not meeting maybe your own personal standards of, 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 how, of how you wanted to be right now. Maybe as successful as you wanted to be right now or as driven as you wanted to be right now. You ask God for his heart for you, which is going to be gracious and compassionate, slow to become angry, abounding in love and faithfulness, quick to forgive, all that sort of stuff. You apply that to yourself so that you can extend it to others. That's number one. The second, second thing we got to do is ask God for his heart, for the people in our lives. Again, if the first one was like look up, like I'm looking up to God, you know, God, here's my heart here, and, and, and I need your grace, grace, I need to extend graciousness to myself, then this one is look out. Look out for God's, look for God's um, heart for the people in your life. And that's what we talked about with the Good Samaritan story. So that, that basically all of that stuff is right here. Ask God for his heart for the people in our lives as we look out. Thirdly, let go. Look up, look out, let go. And we need to surrender to God that person's, whoever it is, that person's real wrongs. They, they, they may have done something really wrong. We've got to surrender that. Again... Thinking about Jesus not judging those who weren't listening to him. Not judging them even though they were wrong and maybe they were insulting him. For the sake of his mission. For the sake of his mission, he, he didn't judge them. And so too, when your neighbor is breaking the rules, when your neighbor is, is being a, a punk or whatever, we need to surrender their wrongs to God to take care of and instead we need to put on God's gracious and loving heart for them being extraordinarily gracious. Being extraordinarily gracious. Again, judging is just out of control in this moment. It is out of control. As Jesus' people, we can't join in that. We, we can't join with the judging spirit of the moment. It is not a time to be critical. Men and women, it is not a time to be critical. In fact, it's critical that we be extraordinarily gracious. It's critical that we be extraordinarily gracious. Okay, that's number three. Fourthly, we need to apply graciousness to our leaders. 
leaders are people too. Uh, in Scotland, we need to totally be praying for Nicola, Nicola Sturgeon. She needs our prayers. If, you, if you're in a different country, you can, you can put your own leader there. They need your prayers. We need to put on compassion for, for, for our leaders, uh, for the incredible pressures that they are under. Nicola is a person. She's a person. She has feelings. She has a heart. She is carrying a weight that no one ever wants to carry. And so people, <clears throat> look, look, people of Jesus, ask Jesus to help your leaders, uh, the ones who are making decisions in this nation. In fact, let's make a pact to be gracious to them at this moment, to pray for them and to stop judging them. It is a it's a time to show Jesus' graciousness to our leaders. And personally, as faces change over the next couple months, uh, we're going to be making changes here at the church. In fact, if you want to hear maybe a little bit more about that, I, I don't have a lot to say, but maybe a little bit of the next steps to say. On, on Thursday at 8 o'clock, I'll be doing a, right here on this stream, I'll be giving a little bit of a, a member's update or whatever what's going on. But as phases change over the next couple months, we're going to be making some changes. And, and we're taking a survey now. We're trying to get as much input as we can. But my guess is, as the results come in, that not everybody's going to be in the same place. And, and, and okay, not everybody's going to be in the same place. But we're, we need to move from here to there over a period of time. And, and we're going to be making that journey. And some people are thinking we're not going to go fast enough. Some people are going to go slow enough. But I ask for just great graciousness over this church. Uh, from you to me and, and, and back and forth. My challenges for us today are these. Number one, ask God for his eyes and heart to see and love the people in your life. Secondly, resolve to stomp out judginess in your heart. Resolve to stomp that out. And three, write an encouraging letter to someone. Like your neighbor or a leader or, or someone who comes to mind. God, put somebody on my mind to write an encouraging letter towards.